Okay, welcome back, and thanks for being here. I hope everyone is well and um, uh, staying afloat and uh, safe and sound through the storms that are occurring around us. Uh, today, continuing the readings of um, books written on Nityananda and his life and teaching, uh, the book here is Sky of the Heart, Jewels of Wisdom from Nityananda, written or compiled and translated by Captain Hatengi and then Swami Chetanyananda, with these some comments from the person who put the page together, which is nonduality.com, very good site, somebody named M. Uh, last time we looked at the chapter, uh, The Nature of the Absolute, uh, cosmology, cosmogenesis, some integration of a multidimensional model uh, from uh, the Vedantic Vedas and early Hindu sources, Nityananda's perspective on that, uh, and then compared to Buddhism and the raw material, Western metaphysics. Today, next chapter is called The Nature of the Individual. This is uh, yoga philosophy. And we're talking about chakras and energy channels, nadis. Uh, we're talking about uh, ways of transforming mind, uh, therefore consciousness, associated with energy flow. This is a yoga practice. Uh, yoga doesn't only mean hatha yoga, but there are multiple forms of yoga. I mean, there's ashtanga yoga, meaning eightfold, and so... There's karma yoga and raja yoga and um, <clears throat> uh, kundalini yoga. Uh, this here, Nityananda in many ways could be considered teaching about kundalini yoga. But again, his um, work was not giving technique. Right? Like Ross said, begin and end in the creator, not in technique. A very deep teaching. Uh, center the mind in universal principles and return the mind to universal principles uh, again and again by mindfulness, right? Like in the seven factors of enlightenment or the five faculties or pancha indriya, uh, the key factor is always mindfulness, sati. And mindfulness is basically attentiveness to the process in, at, in, in play in the moment be here now, is be aware of what's occurring now in the world of mind-body phenomena, particularly, uh, and try to see it clearly without um, elaborating nor suppression. Now, that's ultimately uh, the basis of, of why that works, how that works, is that it, it's non-controlling and non-avoidant. So what is, is allowed to um, go through its cycles of arising, persisting, and passing away, right? As the law of impermanence, the law of, <laughs> the, the reality of anicca or impermanence uh, reveals or um, uh, explains how all phenomena, particularly uh, in this case, uh, body-mind uh, sensation and thought and memory and image and emotion, 
if not manipulated nor suppressed, will arise, persist, and pass away. And that arise, persist, and pass away is very much like Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva. And so, uh, <clears throat> mindfulness as non-control is very much associated with heart chakra, which is non-control, <laughs> unconditional acceptance. That itself is a form of vairagya or renunciation or uh, detachment. So, non-grasping attentiveness, uh, being present here now without elaboration nor manipulation nor suppression, uh, that doesn't mean choice cannot be made. Choices have to be made in some cases. And understanding or investigation is useful, meaning investigate, examine, to develop understanding where we have questions, which when we wish to know. That's not manipulative, and that's not um, a false elaboration or concocting a complex narrative. It's seeking to discover the roots of what's arising, uh, causal roots. That kind of inquiry, investigation, is uh, very helpful. It develops wisdom and understanding and answers questions. Uh, but the non-controlling, non-manipulative, uh, non-suppressive approach to particularly mind-body phenomena, um, being unconditional acceptance, uh, is actually a detachment from... Um, from uh, further entanglement. It's a uh, way of uh, supporting unbinding in the long run. Unbinding because I neither add what doesn't need to be added, nor do I avoid or suppress what uh, has, what, what arises. <clears throat> this is a big deal. And so Nityananda wasn't really teaching, hold the breath three seconds and visualize this and put it there and move it over there, pranayama or kundalini yoga. While he's talking about that, and he did certain practices for himself, he really wasn't teaching that. And so he had devotees, not quite disciples. And so today we're going to look into some of the nitty-gritty of um, Hindu, Vedantic, yoga philosophy in terms of the subtle bodies and prana and kundalini flow and chakra development and <clears throat> now, Captain Atengi and Swami Chetanyananda may be involved in, may have been involved in Pranayama Yoga, Kundalini Yoga, um, which seems a bit controlling. I mean, it's controlling the breath, right? Um, seeking complete freedom from control. That's a path, it works. Uh, it's not Buddhism. Uh, fine. Uh, today we can see a different approach. So just bear in mind that while Nichinanda speaks about some of the practice uh, of Kundalini Yoga or Pranayama, uh, he himself didn't teach it. And he was teaching Vairagya and, um, and do your Danda or Dharma, meaning fulfill uh, genuine responsibilities and particularly to uh, family and work and community. Do what you need to do. Fulfill your destiny and your dharma and your do your danda uh, without, um, without an eye to do it as efficiently and effectively as possible uh, and in the spirit of detachment, not 
with an eye to what I can gain and get later. Uh, sure, we have desires, but uh, <clears throat> it's sort of like uh, Spike Lee in the movie saying, do the right thing. It, we sort of know what the right thing is, and if we have crutches, okay, we have crutches sometimes, but um, live in integrity and fulfill true responsibilities efficiently um, and uh, let go of uh, progressively release all you don't need and that includes all sorts of emotional reactivity and uh, one can't do it just by saying so but detachment from all that is unnecessary is not simply just physical or material goods and uh, material grasping, but also interpersonal and even mental, internal uh, ways of thinking that are unhelpful or distorted, ways of speaking and being with others that are harmful or untrue or unneeded or useless or shallow and superficial. This um, is part of <laughs> the teaching. So anyway, today let's go to nature of the individual and we'll read um, some of the sutras, because we're taking Sanskrit here, not Pali, that's yesterday. Uh, Sanskrit uh, translation to English of some of Nityananda's Chittakash Gita. And Chittakash is everything, that's the uh, sky of the heart. And that's where we get the title of the book. So nature of the individual from sky of the heart. Sound arises, I'll just read it through and do commentary at the, in the back end. Sound arises in the inner sky of pure consciousness, the heart space in the head, the sky of the heart. What manifests is life power, the one. Sutra 37. Each individual, and here's the commentary from Chaitanyananda and Captain Hatengi, each individual reflects the structure of the universe. Whatever divine consciousness manifests in the universe, individuated consciousness manifests in the form of the human body. Nichinanda used the words omkar or shakti when discussing the vitality of the absolute, meaning the absolute in its kinetic phase, not potential or uh, the logos whirling. Uh, the cross in motion, uh, the generation of light. As the energy moves out from the source, it becomes distinct but not separate from the source. And as the essence of the individual jivatman, it is called kundalini. Now again, I would use, I, I will have to comment as we go along. Uh, distinct but not separate, you can say distinct and apparently separate but, but of the same identity. Uh, co-consubstantial. This is consubstantiality with the same substance. So is it the three, you know, like uh, here we have the uh, Martian heresy, <clears throat> old Martian who was not heretic at all. The three is the one. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is the three that's the one. It's the, the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Logos was with the Father and the Father, uh, the Logos, is one. Yeah, of course. The many is one. So it becomes distinct and apparently separate 
but ultimately remains of the same identity. So identity is its source. All human all identity is its source, right? So a drop of water or an ocean of water is still water, whether it's a current in the ocean or a drop of the ocean in water. Its nature, its source, its nature or substance is the same as its source. Okay. Then, uh, as the individual Jivatman is called Kundalini, Kundalini is actually the activity of God, power, force, uh, in the apparently separate, uh, individuated, seven-dimensional being. Going on, similarly, the life force, so you see sometimes they're calling it the essence of Jivatman. The, 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 it could be a lot tighter, some of the language here in the commentary. You can say that Kundalini, he said first, as the essence of individual Jivatman, it's called Kundalini. Well, then Nichananda says the life force is the same, but that's not actually the same. The essence of Jivatman is not its life force, or its life force is the activity of the Absolute, while its nature is the Absolute. <laughs> so life force is the movement of the Absolute in the apparently separate individual. And so its nature, the nature of the life force is the same as the nature of its source, the nature of the individual with its life force is itself the nature, the same as the nature of its source. So we're making divisions and then resolving them continually. So, but Nichananda's quotes are really the ones we should work directly from, <laughs> or at least uh, count higher than the commentary, including my commentary. So Sutra 11, similarly, the life force or Shakti or Kundalini is the same in all creatures mobile and immobile, the sun and moon also are the same life force. Okay, so uh, infinity becomes intelligent, discerns the concept of infinity, and uh, has an original desire that there be uh, a creation of light, the concept of light with the illusion of limits, the illusion of separation, uh, whose active... Um, substrate is of the same nature as itself. So what is the nature of light? Right? The action, the origin of light, the action of free will upon love. God, the absolute infinite free will, acts upon its infinite love, generates light, first three principles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, actually. It's consubstantial. Yes, Martian was right. And so the three is one, the apparently three is of the same nature as its source is the one and um, that three uh, that one appearing as three is also similar to the human where you have my body spirit as a three that's a one and my body spirit complex and higher self and seventh density totality complex as another apparent three that is one um, you see, there's the vehicle and the agent. The agent is not the vehicle, but the agent, um, the logoic principle, right? Conscious mind as a sub-sub-logos, higher self as a sub-sub-logos, uh, solar logos as sub-logos. Uh, the agency is <laughs> Godhead, but the vehicles are different. 
they appear to be separate. They are therefore distinct. The substance is the same. And so <clears throat> the same life force that makes a uh, galaxy turn, is, uh, the life force that makes the galaxy turn or generated light from the galactic center, that life force, kundalini or shakti or prana or intelligent energy, uh, ultimately is the same as that which uh, is uh, act animating animating the seven chakras, seven dimensions, seven uh, energy fields of the seven chakras, mind, body, spirit, body, mind, spirit, and, and is in fact what allows evolution. Uh, the original desire, the purpose of creation, <clears throat> is that apparent entities may apparently seek and apparently return to the one which they already have been, uh, that is enabled actually by life force. That is intelli intelligent energy. We have many creatures moving around here today. Last night I was doing my reading for my audiobook. I'm doing an audiobook of Universal Vision, which is a little strange because much of it was written over 20 years ago. <laughs> and in the middle of some chapter, this crazy big beetle appeared out of nowhere. He was a uh, copper-colored, very iridescent copper beetle. <laughs> An iridescent, oh, I see, it was a scarab. Oh, okay. An iridescent copper, copper-colored, <laughs> iridescent beetle scarab appeared out of nowhere and goes flying around my room in the middle of the talk. Just now, something just fell from the ceiling, some spider on his way down. So... Uh, but the life force of those creatures is the same as the life force that allows our consciousness and ultimately is the nature of, its, of our consciousness and its source is infinity. So, going on with commentary, Kundalini, so, the, so know the difference here between Nichinanda's sutras and Chaitanyananda's commentary and then my commentary on his. So Chaitanyananda supposedly, so presumably said, Kundalini is the all-encompassing energy of life itself in the individual human being. The single dynamic event manifests on three levels, meaning the dynamic force of prana or kundalini or shakti, biological, subtle or psychic, and purely spiritual, right? So body, mind, spirit. The energy of our biological existence is called prana kundalini. The energy that supports our, the intellectual and emotional or subtle and psychic, right? So this middle, right, between body and spirit is so-called mind. Subtle or psychic, intellectual and emotional manifestations of our being is called chitta kundalini, the mind, right? So chitta, sat chit, chit as uh, a word for mind or mental contents or mental process. The third aspect, para kundalini, is the condensed manifestation of pure consciousness it's the same as Shakti, the same as Omkar. These aspects relate to different stages or states of consciousness. While they each manifest differently, their essence is the same Paramatman, Paramatman as ultimate Atman, meaning the Logos, it seems to me. Awareness of this essence is liberation. It's actually um, unification of the three, when the three returns to one, mind, body, spirit. And that's seventh density, basically. When one gets out of, it's not the end. But when Ra says they go out of sixth density, and in seventh they no longer experience memory and identity, 
there's no longer separative um, identity conceptually based experienced. There's no longer a perception and an experience of separative identity. There's no longer identification. Therefore, um, I am this and I am that becomes I is or all is. And there's no question about need for identification or identity. There's no identity because there's no identification. There's no identification because there's no separation between awareness and uh, an apparent objectivity. There, there are no objects. There's no outer inner. There's no division between body, mind, spirit uh, when the entity leaves six density. And so the three have become one, <clears throat> um, more so when it leaves six density than when it enters or experiences. So six density as unified self, Atman, um, sub, sub logos. Uh, has ex still experience of unified self, uh, uh, identity uh, as light. We long no longer seek light. We have become light. That's six density identity from identification or perception of um, outer inner unity. And so I is all that is perceived, right? And so there's the old Hindu saying: when the seer and the seen and the means to seeing, or the knower, and the known, and the means to knowing is one, there is Brahman, or there is Paramatman, or there is union of the apparently separate logoic or octavic sense of self, or self in the vehicles, with source, with logos. Okay, that's very straightforward. <clears throat> so we can call Kundalini three, body, mind, spirit, um, and ultimately, the energy flow of spirit complex is closest to the logos, but these are just um, manifestations of light, and um, their source is the goal and its nature. <clears throat> Sutra 20. Awaken the Kundalini Shakti through the breath, for when it is roused, liberation is possible. And so that which allows the unification of the seven chakras uh, in consciousness to the one and then beyond is prana. And so prana, kundalini, kundalini shakti, uh, from root to crown, from the deepest level of body to the highest level of spirit, uh, is that which allow, is does the work of unification in um awareness and energetic, uh, the, the energetic condition. So his commentary, para kundalini, or simply prana, lots of words, <laughs> is the driving force of our psychophysical mechanism and evolution. It is the breath within the breath, right? So it's not, that's not kundalini or prana, but there's prana and kundalini associated with that apparent material movement of air. The breath of life, not the same as the physical breath, Prana is more accurately called the link between the mental and the physical, or <laughs> that which could be called the link between uh, the illusion of limits and its infinite source, or the way that finity uh, appears uh, separate from infinity or appears to be finity, uh, and the resolution of that appearance into its nature. 
thus mind or manas, manas, chitta, also vijnana, different words for mind or consciousness, mind or manas plays an important role in the unfoldment and expansion of inner vision because mind and breath are intimately related, very much so. The thoughts and feelings that arise and subside in mind do so on the movement of this subtle breath of life, subtle air, prana, same as pneuma in the Greek from the Gnostics who understood this. Thank you for being here. The practice of pranayama uses the mind to control prana, and this is that approach, that yoga, pranayama yoga, which is very much of control um, and um, prescribed um, manipulation, you know, controlling of the breath, different than <laughs> breath meditation, anapanasati. While, so practice of pranayama in kundalini yoga uses mind to control prana, yeah, while simultaneously using prana, control, prana to control mind. Very nice <laughs> comment there. That's how the controlling of the mind is released. So the mind can control prana, but that controlling itself has to be renounced. And there's a note for that, which I'll read in a moment. The, the aim of this practice is to bring the flow of subtle energy into the awareness and control of the individual, and then surrender that control. <laughs> First control, then surrender. The star note here is what the author is telling us, meaning this is M, I think, commenting on Chaitanyananda's commentary. And I'll comment on his. <clears throat> what the author is telling us is that through controlled slow breathing, pranayama, and other techniques, not only that, the mind becomes still. As the mind becomes still, the breathing is slower and deeper. The two, these two aspects mutually support each other in a self-feeding mechanism that's the law of squares applied uh, or demonstrated in the consequences of a breath meditation. Uh, and this is what all meditators would know, is that uh, deepening stillness and one-pointedness and clarity and well-being and even uh, ease and bliss and joy and well uh, happiness, pleasure in the body, meaning endorphins, I guess, uh, is uh, compounding through the period of meditation from start to finish. That's the law of squares, um, factorializing, perhaps, of the positive consequences on mind, body, and uh, awareness during the practice of meditation. So that's the self-feeding mechanism. All the aspirant has to do to put this into effect is to be aware of this and apply it, and with practice it happens quite naturally, meaning... The key to doing meditation is to do meditation <laughs> and try to have a correct or a useful practice. Study your technique, meaning a technique. Try to study and make sure your technique is sound and then uh, just show up and do it. And then it'll all happen naturally. Just like Nityananda saying that um, do your danda and seek uh, true vairagya, Renounce, renunciation of all that is unnecessary in body and relationship and mind and thought and perspective and opinion. So body-mind, uh, radical body-mind detachment and release and renunciation of the unneeded. And the rest will happen quite naturally. And that's sometimes, um, that's very much of the guru path too. Find the right guru and it'll happen naturally. Yeah, but... <laughs> the guru has got to be the right one or a 
one who really can lead one all the way. He says, you will become still and unmovable in all situations, meaning untriggerable. The, for the fully balanced entity, no situation would have emotional charge. It takes practice, but is certainly achievable and very simple to do. Yes, it's simple, but not easy. And it takes practice. It takes the effort to put yourself in the place of transformation, which is the cushion for meditation. And then one must make sure that one's technique is sound and then show up and give it your best shot to fulfill the technique practice, uh, like awareness of breath without grasping and aversion. So uh, very straightforward, but not easy. Sutra 85, the three from Nityananda, the three primary channels through which conscious creative energy circulates in the subtle body are the Ida, Pingala, and Sushumna. Sushumna is the seat of Kundalini. On the page from uh, Dear Wikipedia, very simple, straightforward intro uh, on the page of Nadi and Yoga. Uh, briefly, the three principal Nadis are Ida, Pingala, and Sushumna. Ida can be translated as comfort, lies to the left of the spine, also associated with the moon and female and yin. Pingala means orange or tawny or golden or solar, associated with the yang or fire or, yang or male or the sun, is to the right side of the spine. So you've got female, male, or the channels, I'd say, associated with the 246 line and the 1357 line from root to crown. Then uh, Sushumna means very gracious or kind. It's very nice runs along the spinal cord in the center through the seven chakras when the channels are unblocked by action of yoga or anapanasati and uh, basically the way of shila samadhi prajna yeah same shila in buddhism being five or ten or multiple uh, approaches to morality ethics virtue right right speech right action right livelihood particularly uh, is the foundation then for samadhi and then prajna or panya. And uh, while Buddhism doesn't really, I mean, Theravadan Buddhism doesn't talk at length at, at all about chakras and nadis and kundalini, nor is there any pranayamic breath controlling, the same work is happening in the background, of course. <clears throat> you think that the Hindu... Uh, uh, Hindu sages and the Buddhist sage don't know each other? Of course they do. They're the best of friends upstairs, I tell you. So, uh, <clears throat> when the channels are unblocked and the lower triad of chakras uh, cleared of blockage and the upper activated in balance and harmony and coordinated by yoga, by shila samadhi, by yama niyama, by any form of yoga at all, by taking responsibility or fulfilling obligations in the life and continually seeking uh, to uh, renounce and release and detach from all that's unnecessary and <laughs> some love of a guru if possible. If not, okay, you can love the Buddha. You can love a number of great beings. Uh, that's not essential, but it helps. Uh, then the work proceeds naturally over time. And that's just how 
uh, Satipana goes to Arahan. Uh, once Satipana awakening in Buddhism is achieved, um, the completion of the path and with the fruits to Nirvana, Nibban, the end of the line, happens naturally um, because the process is um, is self is autonomous when a certain breakthrough has been made. Interestingly, early references here, we see how old these terms are. Several, from Wikipedia, several of the ancient Upanishads use the concept of nadis or channels. Uh, and at the top of the page, there's other interesting terms. Um, nadi as tube or pipe or nerve. They're subtle, not physical. Blood vessel, no. <laughs> but maybe some people thought that. And pulse, uh, the pulse of blood in veins and arteries is akin to the vibratory cycles of prana or kundalini through the nadis. And actually, all that appears to be physical motion is actually the manifestation in 3D space-time here of activity or uh, vibration non-physically. So activity of the non-physical, because we're not talking about nothing. We're not at the level of nothingness here. <laughs> we're just going from physical gross matter to subtle energy fields. Activity of subtle energy fields, that's vibratory and cyclic and wave-like, gives rise to apparent motion, therefore change, in the physical world. Going on, the Nadi system is mentioned in Chandogya Upanishad, 8th to 6th century BCE. B BCE is before Common Era. So, <laughs> uh, 8 to 10,000 years ago, verse 866, so a lot of 8s and 6s here. 8 to 6th century BCE, not 8 years before zero. So, we're talking BCE, before Common Era. The Common Era is zero, or... Uh, Yeshua's birth, or 2,000 years ago, 2020 years ago, so it's a Gregorian calendar, right? So we're talking about eight to 10,000 years ago, the Chandogya. This is uh, when um, Sean Connery and, uh, or Schwarzenegger, not Sean Connery, Schwarzenegger was roaming the earth as Conan uh, while he was roaming around with, with his club, uh, in India, there were yogis who already were psychically envisioning the nadis, chakras, and transformation process uh, of pranayama. <clears throat> so, uh, Chandogya Upanishad, <laughs> six or eight, eight thousand years ago, and verses uh, three, six, three, seven, prajna, prasna, prasna Upanishad, second half of the first millennium, first millennium, let's see, these guys don't want to scare the Westerners here. The second half of the first millennium, <laughs> eh? meaning about 2,500 years ago, I think, B.C. So here now they're mixing it with, with Christian. Anyway, in the heart verily is Jivatma. Here a hundred and one nadis arise. For each of these nadis there are one hundred nadikas, meaning small nadis. For each of these there are thousands of more, thousands more. In these vyana, that's an old way of writing prana. In these vyana moves. 
through one of these, the udana leads us upward by virtue of good deeds, right? Shila and uh, Yamaniyama, to the good worlds, by sin to the sinful worlds, by both to the worlds of men indeed. So you've got heaven, hell, and earth. Uh, so by good deeds, and as, uh, good deeds are ascensional. Sinful deeds are descensional or declining. And so everything that goes down and everything with the letter D is very much associated with the lower realms, lower zones. And um, it's, uh, you know, energy follows thought is an old theosophical statement. So uh, thought uh, directs energy. Uh, as a man thinketh, so shall he be. Uh, and so, yeah, very true. And so, feed the good angel, not the bad one. Uh, think that which leads to ascension and development uh, and uh, has, uh, is to our long-term welfare and benefit. And the system, the, the subtle system by which consciousness transformation occurs is prana in the nadis with the chakras. Further, <clears throat> uh, Varaha, Varaha Upanishad, 13th to 16th century, common era, that's more, much more recent. Nadis penetrate the body from the soles of the feet to the crown of the head. In them is prana, the breath of life, and in that life, in that life abides Atman. So higher self is in the prana, which is the abode of Shakti, creatrix, funny translation, creator of the animate and inanimate worlds. So, uh, Atman is in the prana, <laughs> one can say, in an interesting way. Anyway, let's go back. Uh, so, the commentary here is, this flow of energy takes place within a structure that is sometimes called the subtle body. <clears throat> With prana correspond, it's actually all seven chakra energy fields. <clears throat> With prana corresponding to the subtle breath. In the sutras, Nityananda speaks of the three primary nerves or nadis, ida, pingala, and sushumna. They serve as channels in the subtle body for the flow of conscious energy, which is light or intelligent energy, and are arranged like the familiar medical symbol of the caduceus, a straight central channel, sushumna, flanked by two side channels, ida, pingala, right, moon, sun, uh, soft line, hard line, fire, water, fire, that crisscross over the center like a loose braid. At each crossover point are centers called chakras. Where do they unite? They unite behind the, the ajna chakra, ajna chakra, the sixth chakra. They unite in the center of the skull or the brain, probably at the pituitary gland, either pituitary or pineal. Um, there's lots of confusion about which is which and who's above the other, but they. Oh, hello. We have a lizard by the window now. Certain kind of talks uh, in, interest a lot of second-density creatures. <coughs> He's uh, fully black, like a crow. Mm -hmm. So, uh, little creatures come and go. Uh, those That, that uh, intertwining dance of Ida Pingala, duality, subject-object, two paths, ends in six, at behind the sixth chakra 
in the skull, in the brain, probably related to medulla oblongata, but not the same. And so duality and two paths finishes in sixth density. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the chakra and nadi uh, structure is a manifestation of uh, the cosmo cosmological structure, of course. Sutra 47. The subtle is in the chakras. In the subtle channels is the kundalini shakti, meaning prana <laughs> or intelligent energy. Together they are om. Realize and know the subtle. And so realize the nature of uh, energy, which is Godhead, <laughs> actually. So his commentary, a chakra is a point in time and space where various flows of energy interact and create a resonance, a vortex, that is uniquely different from the resonance of the individual energies that originally combined to make it. From these centers of vibration, or energy centers, a human being's mental, emotional, and physical characteristics are determined and expressed, right? So mind, body, spirit, actually. Sometimes people break uh, mind into mental, emotional, uh, fine, but you can say that that's akin to the second and the third chakras, both being related to uh, personal mind, personality-based mind under the diaphragm, physical, uh, where the second is more emotional and the third is more intellectual. But this is all of the lower mind or the personal mind. But yeah, all sorts of characteristics of body, mind, spirit, all of them are a manifestation of uh, chakra conditions. <clears throat> and chakra conditions are uh, associated with uh, pranic conditions in the, in the meridians or in the nadis, in the channels. Um, but again, energy follows thought. And so when, um, who comes first? Uh, who comes first is the thinker. And the bodies and energy fields uh, of the thinker come second, actually. Light came out of the Logos. Um, and the Logos ultimately is love light, but it's um, a spark of infinite intelligence, intelligent infinity. And so the awareness precedes uh, form. The, the, the formless precedes the formal, or the form-based. Anyway... Uh, Sutra, Sutra 18 just from Nityananda just as seven chakras begin with the muladhara at the base of the spine so very brief and so that's root chakra commentary from Chitanyananda there are seven major chakras each corresponding to an area in the physical body base of the spine base of the sex organs the navel that's third heart four throat five point behind between the eyebrows that's six chakra ajna now the black lizard wants to come in through the window. And the top of the head. Kundalini energy is said to lie dormant in Muladhara, the chakra at the base of the spine. Nadis also originate in Muladhara, right, from the root chakra. In addition, but they're all over the place, Nadis. In addition to the Muladhara, Nityananda specifically refers to the Ajna chakra between the eyebrows and the note from M is the guru principle has its seat in the Ajna Chakra, so Atman is the true guru, mm -hmm. meaning higher self, of course. Through the grace of the Sadguru, meaning Sat Guru or true guru, uh, we reach Sahasrara Chakra, the seat of liberation. So 
the guru is Atman in sixth ray or sixth dimension or Ajna Chakra. Liberation is achieved above that when the guru or Atman leaves sixth entity and drops memory and identity. So, uh, the goal of, he goes on, the goal of yogic practice is to rouse the sleeping kundalini, allowing it to rise through the nadis and the chakras, finally to merge with the absolute in sahasrara chakra, seventh chakra. Just as the goal is to get, to, the first goal is to unite with Atman, the second is to leave sixth density, and that means a uniting of Atman with Paramatman or Brahman uh, or the Logos, in the next octave. And that's the end of that. Sutra 42. The seat of such discrimination is in the sky of the heart. When the kundalini rises to this place in the head, then the breath is single and the universe is in oneself. All is in the self. Now, it didn't have to be. that. That's where some Buddhists cringe. Um, cap, self with a capital S is anatta. Of course, and so it's not in the skandhas. Clearly, it's not. It's not identif- It's not vijnana. <laughs> it's not sanskara. It's not the five skandhas. So the five heaps or aggregates are not uh, self with a capital S. Even Gautama said, or at least the angry photographer says, Gautama said that uh, any notion of self clearly is not in the skandhas. Yeah, of course. So what we call consciousness is subjectivist. It's very much associated with eighth fetter, actually. Eighth fetter, tanamana, or conceit, which is really um, the uh, subtle stain of subjective identity. A subtle uh, uh, odor. (laughs) The stain, the subtle stain of subjectivity um, has to be washed away fully. Um... To achieve real, to, to really live uh, anatta, which is this supreme self, uh, as far as I would say. And um, the commentary here is the Sahasrara chakra at the top of the head, seventh ray, seventh chakra, is the seat of self realization, right? So it's above six. That's the point, is that Atman is not the goal. It is the junction, I mean, not a final goal. The purpose of, of union with higher self is to get out of sixth density and actually join the infinite, become return to the infinite. And so the seat, Sahasrara chakra, seventh chakra, seventh ray, is the seat of self-realization. The guru is the last step. Atman is the last step, is the mountaintop, before one leaps into the boundless and makes it one's home, like Chongsa said. So before one leaps into the boundless and makes it one's home, one is on the mountaintop, and that's called Atman. That's how I would read it. Okay, take care. And so um, it goes on. It is the junction point, seventh, between the individual and the divine, the point in the human being wherein lies the dynamic stillness that is the union of Shiva and Shakti, it is the only part of the psychological or psychobiological mechanism that is still seventh ray. And that's why Ra calls it the form. It's not the form maker body. It's above that. It's um, the all in all. Just as the hub of a wheel is still while the spokes and the rim move around it. Right? So the hub is spirit. 
the spokes are mind, the rim is body. Uh, free will or the principle of the, the law of will, free will, is akin to the hub, father. The principle of uh, the, the sun or mind, is the rays of the sun, akin to uh, the spokes or the second principle, uh, father, son, which is uh, Vishnu. So Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, hub, spokes, rim, spirit, mind, body, <laughs> law of free will, law of love, law of light, <laughs> seventh density, totality complex, higher self, and mind, body, spirit complex evolving up to higher self. All of that is the same three-in-one Martian teaching. <laughs> Dear Martian got it and they couldn't take it, but some of them actually secretly agreed, but they couldn't say so, because uh, <laughs> there were already some problems going on. In any case, the hub, the spokes, the rim, the sun, the rays, and the earth, um, spirit, mind, body, uh, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, uh, source, manifest, source, uh, expression, and activity. Bailey material, third ray, is called uh, the, the ray of intelligent activity. That's akin to the rim. Going on. <laughs> it is the place from which all the spiritual forces that make up a human being are extended, meaning the hub, from the hub. The place the breath comes from, the crown of the head. And the place the chakras come from, boom, 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 the seven comes out of the one. The seven comes out, actually, of the three outfolding. The three, if you can groove on it, the three uh, out, uh, the, the the three uncoils or um, duplicates itself with a hub. The hub is fourth ray. The three therefore becomes three, three, one, or uh, seven. But on the way back to the one, you know, the one manifests as the three. The three actually. Like DNA, replication, mm -hmm, from RNA to DNA, uh, the three uh, sort of doubles, self-doubles or self-mirrors with, with an axis, a, junk, uh, uh, a pivot point. The pivot point is fourth ray. So the three becomes the seven uh, through uh, a mirroring self-replication process with the pivot as fourth ray heart chakra. That's why heart chakra is really empty meaning um, complete non-control is the way of Green Ray as the pivot of the three becoming the seven. Ho, ho. It is the place from which all spiritual forces, seven chakra, from which all spiritual forces that make up a human being are extended, the place the breath comes from, the place the chakras come from, the place the physical body comes from. Right. The seven chakras or frequencies of light come from light. <laughs> they are permutations of one light. One light is intelligent energy which came out of its source called Intelligent Infinity, whose agent is the Logos, whose nature is love-light, also called God the Father. Um, actually, it's called the Word. God the Father is Intelligent Infinity. The Logos is the Word. So that's where the Christian teaching is very uh, esoteric, where the Logos, uh, the Word, was with God and was God. Uh, yeah, God here then is not, uh, you can say it's the Father, but it's really Intelligent Infinity. Um, 
you see the one giving rise to the three um, in uh, in that tri in that trinity the father principle is the closest to the one uh, before its um, its uh, wiggle its vibratory expression into the three before the three was the one and of the three the father principle or will or first law or spirit uh, is most resonant with the one prior to its transformation into the three or its um, dance <laughs> its uh, manifestation as the three and so that's the father principle <laughs> just in case you were wondering time check okay let me just see something yeah I'll finish this chapter Sutra 6 from Nityananda the self is there before you and it is there after you even before you were born there was creation only you are unaware <laughs> you conscious mind veiled conscious mind in 3d physical body yeah only that is unaware um, in the Billy Meyer material for all of its many faults um, the Pleiadians call the creator the creation now we have a, <laughs> a many creep. This is a friend of mine. Okay, just sit there. He's a blue, kind of iridescent blue. Uh, looks like a wasp, but he's not. He's a harmless. He's a friendly wasp fellow. He's big. He's about an inch long. He just floats around. But I normally. He's the guy when I hold out my cup to lead them outside, he flies into the cup. <laughs> he knows that I want to take, he wants to go out too. So, these, some of these different creatures are more or less telepathic, actually. Anyway, only you are unaware. The self was there before you, it's after you. The you, what's the you? It's a false identification with mind body, with body mind. The false identification with body, the illusory, the misidentification with body mind is the you we commonly think we are. So the commentary here is a human being then is really an extension of spiritual force or Godhead. Dormant Kundalini. So here you could, you, you got to go beyond just the energetics because mm, energy follows thought. The original thought is uh, the thought of the Logos or the thought of intelligent infinity to make a creation or to manifest in form. And that desire gave rise to all the energetics of the cosmos. Anyway, he goes on. A human being then is really an extension of a spiritual force, which is an extension of infinity, or infinite Godhead. The dormant Kundalini represents the furthest extension of that energy, okay, root chakra. As long as it is crystallized in this extension, the person, meaning locked in the root chakra, the person is a limited being and sees things in terms of distinctions, right? Caught by the um, illusion of limits, meaning dual con dualistic consciousness. When through Shaktipat, meaning the touch or the action activity of Shakti, Kundalini, not different than Shakti or Prana, begins to rise. It's a certain type of Kundalini, actually. This crystallization is loosened up, meaning it's no longer locked in Muladhara. As the energy begins to flow again, it's reabsorbed into itself as the divine, or <laughs> returns to its uh, source. And so that's the link between the seven, the one seven chakra band, seven one chakra band, kundalini, that type of kundalini, 
goes from root to crown. And then the seven gradually uh, re return or reharmonize or coordinate the seven chakras to such a degree that um, all dualistic, dualistic consciousness ends. Sutra 16, when the individual spirit leads the inner Shiva Shakti upward to the Brahma Randhara, meaning crown chakra, at the top of the head, the individual becomes one with the indivisible. This is liberation, indivisible liberation. Moksha, Mukti, complete and perfect enlightenment, the blowing out of the flame, no more rebirth, return to source, um, and the beginning of a new career in uh, the next octave, I'd say. Uh, and that's the individual basically returns, to, returns fully in consciousness and manifestation of energy to its source. In the commentary, no commentary, Sutra 25, creation is nothing but energy released or projected from God. <laughs> Sounds like the, the Logos generating light. Entering back into it is dissolution, right? The final renunciation and release. Identifying with the body is the cause of creation as one sees it, right? It's ultimately a little more subtle than that, I think. Real dissolution takes place when the individual self merges and dissolves in the universal, right? So Atman goes to Paramatman, or the Jivatman in Atman goes to Paraparaman or Paramatman uh, beyond light, goes to the preluminal, superluminal. Commentary. Let me just see something. Yeah. Commentary. For Nichinanda, the Sahasrara Chakra is synonymous with the Brahma Randra, right? So lots of uh, synonyms. The point of dynamic stillness that equals the union of Shiva and Shakti, right? Crown Chakra. When the individual, or apparently <laughs> individual, creative energy in the form of Kundalini is reawakened and merged into that point through the various yogic practices, including Duryodhanda and renunciation and uh, mindfulness and um, seeking, the individual consciousness dissolves into universal consciousness, right? Non-dual awareness. What manifests then or then is a complete state known as divine inner self. In Hinduism, Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta, Buddhism would call it nirvana. Um, pretty clear to be the same, I think. This is the state of universal consciousness or unbound awareness or the inconceivable, of course, and awareness of the self as the source of the whole universe. But it ain't your personal self, obviously. It's not a self at all. <laughs> it's no, there's no identity in the final um, situation. <laughs> it's not a state. It's, it, you can call it eighth density, I guess. And life goes on. Mm, that's what they don't talk about. But Ra calls them guardians. And um, that's the way it goes, as far as I can tell. Yeah, the path never ends. And some little um, echo of apparent of the experience of separation remains, even into eighth density. But it's not, you know, it's not contradictory with all this either. It's inconceivable. Hey, hey, we can't really know what um, return to source is, of course. Anyway, um, the self as the source of the whole universe, um, the eyes through which I see God or the eyes through which God sees me, that kind of thing. Martin Buber or Jeffrey Jason Bieber Buber, different guys. Anyway, 
um, the uh, prodigal son returns to the, the father. The um, apparent beingness returns to its existential uh, root source. Um, effect returns to cause. Light returns to infinity. Something like that. Commentary. Chittakasha and Hridayakasha. Chitta, mind, space, akash. Hridaya, heart, space, akash. So mind, space, heart, space, or chittakash, hridayakash, refer to awareness that arises in the state of divine consciousness. Right? The, what appears to be two is really one, but there are many words for these things. In that state, we experience the inner as vast, maybe more vast than the whole external universe. Yes, <laughs> because the external universe is third density only, at least physical perceptions of it. Hridayakasha means heart space. The heart referred to is the essence or the heart of the whole universe. Mm. Chitta-kasha is consciousness space or mind space, right? Chitta-akasha. The sky of consciousness or the sky of the heart. So there's sky of the heart, sky of the mind, sky of consciousness. Okay, anything. The heart space in the head, the sky of the heart, the Brahmarandra, crown chakra. These all refer to the same experience of infinite expansiveness. Um, it's not the same, however, as uh, Jhanas 5 and 6, which is perception of infinity of space, perception of infinity of consciousness. And that's where some Buddhists who are sticklers will say that <clears throat> uh, Hinduism only goes up to the latter formless jhanas. Could be, but I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I would say that it's really a linguistic, semantic problem. Um, because um, Hindu <laughs> Hindus are reificatory. They like reification uh, more than Buddhists. Um, ultimately, you know, the Buddhist way is uh, between, it's a middle way, and Nagarjuna, the great brilliant one, um, postulate, he basically um, ex, ex, exposited um, middle way uh, Madhyamaka as neither and between affirmation and negation. Mm. Neither is nor is not. That's really what Buddhism is about. And so when Hindus are saying infinite consciousness, sky of the, spa of the heart, of the mind, it's just a temperament. It's just temperamental Racial temperament. I mean, the Hindus, right? They're, the Buddhists are Indian too. They're all Hindus, right? The Brahmins. But it's just that Buddhism, Buddha Gautama was a little more subtle in formulation and uh, could see that indeed many Hindu yogis were stuck in the higher formless jhanas thinking that was uh, the goal. That's the problem. Yeah, there are yogis, Buddhism too, who get stuck in or consider higher jhanas as complete and perfect enlightenment when they're not. So uh, perception of infinity of space, perception of infinity of consciousness, perception or experience of nothingness, neither perception nor non-perception, these are the formless jhanas five through eight that are sometimes confused with complete and perfect enlightenment. Yeah, right. And so the uh, Gautama rightly um, 
identified that that was those were those uh, states are conditional and subject to the three marks. They are of the three marks. They're not the end of uh, of evolution or the path. Yet, uh, I think when when we're talking here about crown chakra, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. we're talking beyond the formless jhanas because uh, seventh chakra. Yeah, there really is a, seven, a chakra for the Theravadans. Yes, they would have to admit that, I think. Uh, it's a whole lot more than unity. It's uh, it's just like Ross said. It's the ending of identity and memory. The ending of any oh, perception of time-space duality and the ending of any kind of perception of unity. Right? It's the ending. One no longer identifies as light. We no longer seek light. We become light. In sixth density, said Ra. They then no longer um, know themselves as light in seventh density, or of seventh chakra, or Brahmarandra, and that's infinity. And so, in t- in, that is infinity, and um, that's not a formless jhana. Finally, Sutra thirteen, Nityananda said, the source of liberation is Shiva. The linga in the head is Shiva. It's all Om. And so Shiva, Shakti, Shiva in the head, Shakti from the crown coming up. Linga is phallic symbol. <laughs> the phallic symbol in the head is Shiva. You have a... I won't be crude. Anyway, the <laughs> the, the phallic symbol, it, it's really the yang polarity uh, of the crown in contrast to the yin polarity of the root. Right? Top of spirit to bottom of body, the lowest in in apparent density structure, the where the higher is finer and the, or, or more subtle, and the lower is grosser or more physical heavy. The lowest of the heavy gross is shakti, coming from the root, while the highest of the fine subtle is the is crown chakra Shiva in you know, Brahmarandra. But it's all Om, actually. <laughs> and so the two is one, even uh, though we can talk a lot about the two becoming one. The two have never been other than the one, and the one has never been other than infinity. Mm. And I don't think the top-level uh, yogis have, a, have any... Uh, have a, I don't think they're stuck in formless jhanas, mistaking it for the end of the path, frankly. Finally, final comment... This Brahmarandra is also referred to in Nityananda Sutras as the Linga in the head, which is the symbol of Shiva, the Linga, Shiva Lingam. In Indian temples, the Linga is a stone or metal object said to have a masculine quality, meaning it looks like a phallus, to be completely passive, a passive phallus, and <laughs> but it's not limp, and to contain the whole universe within itself. It's basically like the rod of power. It arose as a symbol of Shiva, because the linga in the head is the abode of Shiva, the source of all that is. That's just sort of totalistic, tautological um, mythology and uh, esoteric philosophy. But if you divide, uh, if you understand that there's no apparent motion or creation without polarity, uh, and the essential polarity is a yin-yang, or basically activity and stillness, which is uh, akin to um, 
of formless uh, or form form and formless, right? So form form is active, formless is still, uh, yin is still, yang is active, male is active, female is passive, uh, yang is affirmatory, yin is negate negatory, meaning negating. Fine, fine, fine. All of that polarity. Um, is the basis of the two uh, of infinity becoming the ten thousand things? You see, there's no seven without activity, and activity is ultimately of a polarity. The first uh, station on the cosmogenetic path is um, as infinity, uh, which is a unity, moves. It moves by way of the appearance of a duality, a polarity. That's called yin-yang, and that gives rise, ultimately, uh, by way of the three to the seven and the ten thousand. Ten thousand in Chinese philosophy meaning everything. And so uh, we can say that that's the yang in the head. You can say that the head is yin or the crown is yin as well. Either is fine, really, and people have reversed them what moves is active and what receives it is passive or what moves is is the yin and what receives it is the yang fine either way so anyway <laughs> uh, I hope that you can understand that um, the Hindu system of um, yoga um, esoteric Hinduism or yoga philosophy like this in terms of uh, soteriology Yoga, yogic, uh, Vedantic soteriology, meaning the study or ways of salvation, uh, the ways of total transformation, of um, the beingness uh, to its ultimate perfection, is not really contradictory. <laughs> I mean, there's much common ground here with the raw material and Buddhism, I think. And do what you wish with it. Um, but there seems to be much more in common than than uh, in contradiction. I don't see a hell of a lot of contradiction, actually, anyway. And there are countless paths to the mountaintop, but there's only one mountaintop, and yet at the mountaintop one has to leap into the boundless, and then one would make it one's home, as Chongsu said. So next time we'll look at the process of liberation, um, the path, and the way that um, what I is returns to its true nature, fully returns to its true nature, which is its source. So, I hope that was helpful. Thank you for being here. Thank you to um, Chaitanyananda and M also for your commentaries and everyone else. Please take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.